right. Thank you. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of Cisco Champions Radio. We are here discussing data center and other awesomeness, or actually awesomeness around data centers. Very cool. All right. We've got on tap, we have Lucas, Robert, Micheline, and Jeff. Lucas, first of all, who are you and what do you do? What I'm doing? Oh, um, right now I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you. But, but like, I think do you that's have a not day what job? you I, I do have a day job. I, I'll, I'll call it my hobby. It's oh. uh, I, I'm working at Cisco um, in the data center business unit. So we're responsible for all the Nexus. And um, I do technical marketing. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah, the marketing, right? Yeah, I can see the faces just... Yeah, like my face faded. just dropped. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, no, we do actually pretty exciting things. So, um, And I think we're going to talk a little bit about these little nerdy details, which we're... Which we're doing there. Is it half technical, half marketing, or 50-50? Um, yeah, they always tell me I should bring back the marketing. Like 60-40 well, uh, or 30-70? Uh, 99 All right. <laughs> Robert, who are you? What do you do? Same question. Oh, okay. Uh, so Robert Parton, and I'm a data center TSA in the Houston region, and my specialty is networking primarily around EVPN VXLAN. Awesome. And sure. what's your Twitter handle? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. That's uh, Great Hair Engineer. Nice. Which is also my website, my blog. <laughs> awesome. Right. Jeff, how about you? Uh, Jeff Levensailer. I'm a OG Cisco champion, a DevNet creator, and a collaboration engineer out of Los Angeles for Presidio Network Solutions. Awesome. Finally, but not least at all. <laughs> I feel like the littlest fish in the... Fishbowl. Uh, I'm Micheline Murphy, uh, and I am a full-time student, and I'm studying for the CCIE data center. After a long career as a lawyer, right? Yeah. You're not like some like no, fresh no, out no, of I college. No, I don't like, I am Let's not clear. fresh out of college. No, like, I'm, I have put You run circles me. around most people, so. That, yes. Yes. All so right. is there some I'll overlap there? Like, so, if you fail the lab, are you going to sue them? Yes. Wait, no. so so the honest answer is that I actually retired and the bar won't let me. Uh, <laughs> but you can still see. All right, but, so, I, but I could still use just brute intimidation. Here we you go. Take the down network. the network, Josh. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, uh, so Lucas, quick, quick, really like high level. What are we talking about today? Yeah, so I, I guess we are going to talk a little bit about VXLAN mm. and um, more specifically on what we're doing in the fanciness of it to improve how that actually works. Oh, tell us more. Uh, no, more. Um, what makes yeah. it fancy? The, the fancy thing is it's a very versatile kind of protocol which we can use. And it it allows us to build where we want and build how we want these little data center things. And one of the very dominant ones which are actually using VXLAN is ACI. And then next to that, we did a lot of efforts um, following the standards track and do it on NXOS as well. We did it on iOS XE, we do it on iOS XR. And as we're here in the data center podcast, um, it's all around NXOS and Nexus, right? So one of the things um, to highlight, maybe to kick it a little bit off, and Michelin and myself <laughs> always went a little bit forth and back on some, what was it? The uh, Cisco Learning Network yep. or something like this. Yep. It's, it's always these little questions which come up. How does this actually work? And then that's where the little banters yeah. go forth and yeah. back, right? Um, just recently, you wrote a blog, right? I was did. it a blog? It and was, I think it, it was, was VPC, right? It was actually, well, it was, it was the second part of a two part, what does a actually fully functioning, healthy VPC look like? And uh, part two is what does it look like in VXLAN and ACI? 
and, and I know you came back with your little your little comment about the release release nine, and how that would all switch out. So um, yeah, yeah, you you forgot my little little new tool, I uh, little tiny thing we just did. I was so disappointed to have not that in the blog. We have to follow up on that, or we just I, do it here in the podcast. We could, we're gonna have to do it in the podcast because I don't have that release yet. Here so. we go. That's fine. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Sure. We'll get there. So, uh, why don't you just go ahead and start talking about... Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll catch it and we go forward. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure you guys have questions on that one. So, it's going to be funny. So, um, VPC as we know it in, in traditional networking in Cisco, our way of doing host attachment redundantly, right? So, we have a, we have a server or a PC endpoint connected to two switches, build a port channel around. And for that, we need to have two switches which are talking together somehow. Um, in the past, we always needed what we call a peer link, and that peer link was needed to be physical. So I had to use a certain amount of cables between these two switches to make that work. That's very boring. So we thought, let's do something new and remove that peer link and make the deployment a little bit more flexible for, for the users. And by doing this, um, we, we really thought about, should we just remove this little cable there or these cables there? Or should we re-architect the whole solution there? And we actually went there and changed how it works from you are always in this kind of combined domain into primarily you work completely independent. And if there is somebody who needs this dual attachment, this redundant attachment, this port channel, uh, at that point you operate only for this specific host as, as the VPC domain. Right, right. So, okay, I have a question because... One of the things I talked about in my blog was how, how the difference between uh, VPC in VXLAN and, and ACI was exactly that. It was that you still needed to physically connect the two, the two peer switches. Yeah. Um, but ACI had you know, gotten around that by doing control plane right in the fabric itself. Uh, and, and that had allowed, as I had pointed out in my blog, had allowed, you know, you could, you could do something crazy like say, well, I want a VPC between, you know, one leaf 101 and 141. You mean Houston CL? Something. Here we go. Here we go. Yes, so. exactly. So in when we did it in ACI, the, um, the premise was we have a routed network first. I mean, mm -hmm. what we call the underlay in ACI is an ISI-based network, and we build a VXLAN kind of fabric on, over the top of it hidden to you. I'm not going to show the details and so on and so yeah. forth. Don't look behind the curtain. Never do that. It gets nice. You will regret it. Never, <laughs> never. You will never regret that. But then when we moved into NXOS and, and VXLAN on NXOS, there is everything very visible and you have to take care. So we, we took the same premises and uh, looked at what do we like, what do we not like in VPC and took these pieces. So mm -hmm. the the routed network, the routed transport network, what we call underlay, is, is the key, the first item which is important there. The second one is how we do uh, MAC and uh, IP binding information synchronization between the two systems, which was in VPC traditionally uh, over Ethernet protocol, so what we call a slow protocol. And we made that IP enabled, which now with the leaf spine topology, you have everywhere routing there, we can do that over the top uh, right. between these individual nodes as long as that IP reachability is there. Right. So, and then, you know, if you're configuring VXLAN just from scratch and you, and you look at like the, 
the white papers. That's the first thing they tell you is just make sure that your 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 leaves can reach each other. It's the most important yeah. thing there. Yeah. Um, subsequent to this, in in VXLAN with VPC, we we use a virtual IP address approach. Um, a MAC address seen behind two interfaces is something scary. We call that normally a loop. So how we solve that? So we keep it behind one interface, meaning behind a virtual IP, right. which which addresses this. Um, now in in the traditional VPC, we always said everyone is behind that virtual IP. That gives not enough granularity, right? And when when we remove the peer link, we, as said, we're moving away from considering the whole switch as a as a VPC participant. Um, we call them individual switches as as a result there, and say everything which is only connected locally is originated only by the switch itself. And as a result, there is actually no need for a peer link anymore from a traffic traverse, mm-hmm. traversing perspective. You always go where the host is connected in any case. So, so okay, if I want to wrap my brain around this. <laughs> yes. So, you know, uh, just kind of like, I like to go from historical. So I like to be able to stay, understand why the technology was developed in the first place. And VPC was developed to try and get away from spanning tree. Or, or actually, to more more to the point, to tri- trick spanning tree, to, to to con it into believing that this was just one switch. How does the how does the VXLAN new new VPC? I mean, is it still playing that con game? Yes, it's towards the Ethernet side. It's still playing the same game. Okay. It's uh, one bridge domain, for, or sorry, one bridge ID. From from a spanning tree okay. perspective, okay. it's still the same. Okay. And uh, yes, it's it's not only about rapid spanning tree, right? right. We also have right. to remember right. that other thing, that multi-instance thing. You okay. remember that one? Oh, MST. Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course. So we have to make sure that both of these worlds work very yeah. well and okay. continue to work. There's, uh, I, I would say, there's no change in host interaction at all. Okay. There's only change in optimization being done from the switch northbound into the infrastructure okay. itself. Okay. And so let's talk about you know the always left out. Let's talk about the orphans. Yes. How are the how are the orphans? Those poor orphans. Yeah, these poor <laughs> orphans poor are orphans. treated like first class citizens. Yay! So they are there and they exist. And um, we we use the individual IP addresses of the of the VPC switches for advertising the orphans. Okay. So you have a direct way to the orphans wherever they are really connected. Uh-huh. And not only this. We also allow orphan on switch one to orphan on switch two to communicate as would they be connected to individual switches. Okay. So there is no peer link communication. Okay. It's oh, gone. because there, because there's no peer link, there they're not no getting link. Blank, exactly. black hole. Exactly. Here okay. we go. It's it's gone, I right? I get it. Yeah, especially all, when you'd have gone. a northbound failure or right. southbound failure. You don't get that anymore. Okay, I yeah. get it. Yeah. So so I mean And you know what? We also did it for orphan networks. So VPC has no notion okay. of layer three in its its sense. So right. it doesn't know a network in a, in a sense of IP addresses. So if you connect a network on one VPC member, in the traditional sense, you have to synchronize between these two right. with a routing protocol. Right. So you have which, to do which is which is messy. Per VRF peering, VRF light, or whatever right. you want to call it, more IP addresses and all of these things. No. So we use again VXLAN eVPN from member one to member two to advertise the respective networks, uh-huh. and we do forwarding. As it would be connected to and individual it's just, switches. It's just cleanly through the fabric. It is as it would be individual switches. Excellent. Very clean, following the forwarding semantics for everything else. Sweet. Sweet. It gets simpler, right? Nothing to talk about now. We can yeah, leave. Uh, no. Can, no? 
Keep we, going. We I mean, can't leave. Look, no. <laughs> no, you're, you're going to be locked in here forever. Yeah, we stay till the end of the day. Yeah. So, so let's talk about uh, data center network manager. This is something I had not heard about. All right. Uh, not my specialty, but I try and get involved in a lot of different segments of technology. So let's talk about the management of this fabric. All right. All right. That's uh, excited. Actually. How new is this? Um, DCNM in 11, version 11, uh, I think we shipped that more than a year ago. Um, and 11 is a complete revamp of DCNM. Actually, we were debating on changing the name of it. Um, we kept the name as there <laughs> is a existing crowd, which is, which is happy with it. So we started somewhere in DCNM six, um, which was a heavy Java applet kind of, uh, Java, Java. Yeah. Nice. We moved to seven, which was more flash oriented. Then we moved to 10, which was completely HTML five. And based on the infrastructure of five, uh, sorry, of 10, uh, with HTML five, we changed basically the functionality of DCNM 11. So DCNM 11 GUI based workflow oriented automation tool today. It is controller-ish, uh, so it keeps not only um, configuration state what it knows of, it actually is now a closed-loop automation tool which tries to understand the intent which is being defined in DCNM, uh, renders that intent into NXOS configuration understandable, so and make sure... provisioning POAP... Uh, provisioning at day zero, yes, the uh, POAP part is there, so we, we you basically model your network first. And from modeling the network, you go into a continuous control of what is on your switch versus what is uh, in DCNM. And we make sure that the synchronization is there. And the little tiny pieces which we, which we <sighs> made work in there, which are funny and exciting. And uh, I think we have right now a block series of 10 which we're doing. I think the first two are out. Um, one is Fabric Builder is one of the most exciting things we did. Um, you don't have to care on understanding routing or understanding VXLAN EVPN. It helps, though. Uh, it helps a lot. Yes, absolutely. So you click it together, you say, this is my leaf, this is my spine. I want to have a VXLAN network, and you you basically get the results Make rendered so. in DCNA. Make it so, yes. Yeah, and then the great thing now is Brownfield. We can You can take something you've already configured that's, and bring it into DCNA. That's always been an issue with products in the past they just assume that you're just starting from scratch, scratch and everything is perfect and we all know that barely any happens. kind of uh provisioning management interface needs to assume that things aren't going to go perfect and brownfield definitely that's oh it's uh, the, the brownfield one was one of our key points so when we go back from dcnm history it was a tool which was being put on top of a network it didn't model a network it didn't build a network but we want to take this this uh, ability of getting insert an existing network and model network and bring this together. So in, in Brownfield, uh, which is the import or the import approach we're doing, it's it's actually an intent inference approach we're doing. So we're going and try to read the configuration, understand the configuration, and model it against the model which is in DCNM. That means you're not just getting a blob moved into DCNM, you're actually getting the model network into DCNM, and you can continue operate on top. So think of it... Um, the single switch, which is moved in as part of a network, I can add new switches to it and I can do RMA of the added switches mm -hmm. as a result as it is part of the model I created. Sounds pretty ambitious. Uh, it is. It is. It's, uh, it's a lot of uh, steps uh, which, which are running in the background. And of course, um, there is always configuration nobody understands or not, nobody understands the relation of it. Um, for that, we have something which is called 
free form, so you can actually get a blob and move it in to to not stop you from continuing there. But yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the controller-ish, closed-loop approach to get that going with inferring of a model, which is literally a CLI um, set, which is there for... How long do we have iOS? I mean, 20 years or plus, 30 years close to? It, it is It is very complex to to get all of these different permutations going. So Lucas, you're a Cisco Press author of Building Data Centers with VXLAN, BGP, EVPN. We can, mm-hmm. say, he, we can say he wrote the book on it. Wrote, wrote the book <laughs> wrote on the, the topic. Wrote the book on it. What, would, what tips would you give somebody, maybe they just got their CCNA, there's these you know, SD-WAN, there, there's all these new technologies and you, you need to know how to get from step A to seemingly... Uh, a moving target. What advice would you give to somebody new in networking or maybe three years in on networking on how to get to this level of knowledge that's a moving target? All right. Uh, I think the fundamentals are key. Routing and switching, how the basic forwarding semantics work, the basic, the most basic protocols as a spanning tree. You know what a VLAN is? You should know what VXLAN is. Well, maybe you start with the VLANs and the routing protocols and, and then you evolve from there. But if you get the basics of asset bridging and routing, you can follow all of the more modern technologies which are which are being developed. I'd say when I was studying for my CCNA, didn't hear the words underlay, overlay very often. This is within the last five, six years, maybe it's it really came into. It's very interesting. Have to know. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's a terminology thing, right? It's. We always try to reinvent words for for meanings, so to explain. Um, the the underlay overlay thing is, I would say it's there for decades. When we look at MPLS, for example, we had an underlay we called it transport network, and then we had an overlay <laughs> which we called VPN service. Um, it's it's just this evolution of terminology which is happening. Um, when you map it down to what it means in the reality you will always find yourself home. And that's why I'm saying the routing switching part. Uh, that's for, for me, that was the key highlight in, in my career when we, when we look back. When I started, I don't, know, I don't say how many years back. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I still remember somebody explaining me ARP. And uh, it is a fundamental to, yeah. to have, which, which helps a lot. Yeah, I think with the new certifications announced yesterday at the keynote, there's a lot of people sort of freaking out on Twitter about, well... What's going to happen? I'm in the middle of studying for my CCNA. Should I just give up? And to your point, no, you need to know the fundamentals. Even if you want to get in development, this is the ecosystem we're trying to create is networking and development. So you have to know both. And even not the DevNet certifications, even in a a CCNA level, or if you're trying to go for an IE data center, you have to know the fundamentals. That's, That's a good point. I think in general, it's just a great point to always understand the protocols. Uh, years ago, when I got uh, when I had to do VXLAN, I had to learn it. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, just some basic blogs from Lucas here. And going back and reading the RFC, uh, having that fundamental knowledge of routing and the protocols associated with it, it you, you, you chunk it one at a time and you learn bits and pieces and inevitably you get to the end. Right. And, and just from my own experience... You know, three years if you uh, three years ago, if you asked me what's the difference between a switch and a router, I would have been unable to tell you what the difference. I would not have been able to have told you what's a router. I'm like uh, a layer three switch. 
I once had what someone in an, I once had someone <laughs> in an interview say, uh, say they could use a router, but they actually oh, used a tool. The, the, the tool. That was a very funny. Right. We did hire him. He did end up being very, very smart in the end. Yeah, so, yeah but, these these uh, boxes now are x86. Uh, they run Linux. I mean, yep. what's a computer? What's a router? Right. Right. That's pretty much how we started, right? Yeah. But the point is, is that, you know, I started with just learning routes, route switch and just learning the very basic how how things work just fundamentally and it you know cisco press stuff right yeah exactly incredible content so so you know kind of to to your question learn that stuff because it it, you know it'll it'll help you the ccna will still be relevant so yeah if you start reading doyle routing tcp ip one and two that's the book to start with (laughs) if if you want to know routing that that's one of the the uh really crucial things I'm, and uh, I, i'm pretty sure that's on my bookshelf at home i'm pretty sure i still haven't finished that one well i gotta give a <laughs> shout out to wendell odom started yeah. me he's a cisco champion he's probably here i think all of us are here because of wendell odom yeah yeah he actually brought some of the stickers by the podcast domain earlier so you could pick him up if you wanted yeah, yeah. here we go here yeah. we go and he's already blogged about the new certs and he's already had yeah. some input there so yeah, I think on the certification, it's it's a journey, right? We all evolve with the industry around us. And I think a certification program is is also trying to map trends and things happening in there. I would never be scared if just a program changes because you need to learn and fit into this future which we are going to create. Um, very stupid thing is, how can I automate an OSPF configuration if I don't know OSPF? What? If, and, if you don't know how it works, that's yeah, exactly you, right. You need to at least know how to configure it in, in, right. the, in the essentials. And actually configuring OSPF is the lowest level of intent. You say, I want to do routing in a dynamic protocol, right? So we go back to these how we map these things be, be, between terminology and so on. So it's it's reinvention. It's, it's uh, new, reinvention with new kind of nuggets in there and uh, becoming very interesting and exciting. So, so that seems like that's super new in in the data center. What about between data centers? Ooh, uh, between we, we, there's between. nothing between data centers, right? It's just a big air gap. Air gap, yeah. air gap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That that that's where my Amazon packages go. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah they put them that. on the truck and uh-huh. you know. Oh, you want you want <laughs> data center interconnect? That's what you mean, right? That's what you want exactly. to go with. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Um, we, we started, and again, it's, it sounds a little boring as we, we started like almost two years ago to change how data center interconnects are being built. Um, we, we have this notion of many, many technologies, and you have to learn all of these different technologies, which are very, very purpose-built to give you results. And why are we not using the same technology for multiple functions and enhance this technology uh, to make it viable for the different use cases? Um, when we got VXLAN in the beginning, it was flood and learn. It's basically Ethernet over IP. Not very excited. It's not very efficient for that. We added a control plane to it. EVPN, uh, part of BGP, gave us reachability information. We made sure that we get a first-hop gateway, which is more and more distributed than, than HSRP was, which just was active standby. Um, and then subsequently, we used um, uh, a mode, which is called multi-site, in order to stitch multiple VXLAN networks together with EVPN. And that was a journey which, when we when we look back uh, two years, as I said, when we started with, with shipping it, um, that started approximately four years back by defining a chip which, which can do this, which has this ability of understanding 
um, a topology from what is inside my data center, what is external to my data center, and what do I need to do in between in order to do uh, failure protection and, and loop avoidance and, and all of these kind of things. So actually, my question was, is because um, before VXLAN multi-site came up and running, uh, a lot of folks were using, are, are, are still using OTV. Yeah. And so I, my kind of, my why question in there is, you know, what, why, why move away if, if it's working? What, you know, what, what specific need is the VXLAN multi-site, uh, I sure. guess, answering? Sure. So as as we said, it's sorry, <laughs> it's uh, okay. stupid, right? Everything evolves from somewhere sure. to somewhere. Um, when we go back to OTV, OTV was actually from from the standards definition perspective, it was a VXLAN encapsulation which had one field which was different. It was called instance ID <laughs> instead of VNI. Uh -huh. But uh, it's the same set of people which actually worked on OTV and worked on Lisp. Which also worked on VXLAN. I and always, that whole wondered, story I always there. wondered why, like all of the OTV stuff was always immediately followed by the Lisp stuff. It's interesting, <laughs> it's, right? Yeah. So uh, Dino Farinacci, uh, as one of the former Cisco fellows, uh, Victor Moreno, uh -huh. some of the smart guys, which which started off with Lisp and OTV back then, and the in the industry adopted these this approach of UDP-based encapsulation as as VXLAN as a de facto standard there. Um, I think it's uh, reducing the amount of individuals and uniforming it to make it simpler for consumption, uh, going in a streamlined um, configuration approach and don't uh, give you like bits and pieces. Uh, I think the need, which is, which is the real ask, which is coming, is improving on top of what we have. Okay. Do I need to replace OTV? No, you don't need to replace OTV. If you build something new, would you take OTV if you feel yes, but we can do pretty much the same today with the enhancements we put into VXLAN EVPN. Uh, some of the white papers we just wrote is basically uh, an evolution from where you would have o used OTV in the past, where you use VXLAN EVPN today with multi-site. Um, and I give you, instead of just layer two extension, I give you layer two and layer three extension. Oh. And I think that's the main addition which is happening okay. there. Interesting, interesting. You have any questions? I know, I, I know you. I, I can see the the, the wheels running yes. around in your brain. <laughs> no, it's it's all making sense. The last time I kind of touched on this, it was all about fabric path and trill, or Ugh. the buzzwords of the day. And this was not even four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, it's probably five five to six years. I would even say. Um, yeah, trill was a was an interesting approach. Um, it's and for those that don't know, what does trill stand for? was again there was something of interconnecting lots of link or yeah, something lots like of, that yeah one of those cool acronyms yeah, i always exactly. wanted to buy the book just because i thought it was cool it's actually the co-author on the vxlan book also wrote the trill book so uh, <laughs> sham kapadia uh, did, did that there it's i think we evolved from switches which are only able to do bridging operation to um, switches which are doing bridging and routing operations so the multi-layer switch became um, more widely available, and I think that changed the transition to IP-based networks from from Mac and Mac to to Mac and so IP. You have advancements there. at all different stages, and you just kind of the direction changes depending on. So now you have these better switches that are capable of doing more things. So 
it forces us to do new capabilities as our customers are asking us. It, it's also, things are shifting, right? When we had MAC addresses in the past, which were relevant for identifying endpoints, now it's the IP address. So we went from large MAC address tables to large IP address tables on a switch. So this, this shift becomes also for the user um, who looks at a very cryptic MAC address versus a more readable IPv4 address, which then becomes a little bit more unreadable when we go to IPv6. But um, it it's more what people are used to and specifically with integrating into ecosystems as virtualization layers, uh, container infrastructure, services, uh, firewalls, load balancers. It, it becomes more the, the readable way and applications operate on a higher level, right? So let's make sure that we don't go to the very bottom, that we can cut it at the layer three and we get more information on that layer. Yep, abstract, encapsulate. That's what the nice OSI model was for, right? That's again, back to the CCNA, there, OSI there and the IP model. Yeah. Go, goes back there. There's a, there was a reason why we built that, even as I still forget. What is layer four again? Hold on a second. Transport. Transport. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Are you? Do you guys have more questions? I don't want to. I had on the list to talk about telemetry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Go for yeah. it, buddy. Very exciting. Um, I'm not going to ask a question. Just go. No, talk about it. I'll, yeah. I'll give. I'll give you <laughs> yeah. a glimpse on it right away. Um, we, we talked about the switch and the evolution of the chips, right? And uh, in the in the past, most of the chips were running with something called SFlow or sampled NetFlow not really very inside information and everything had to be exported over the CPU of the switch in order to get these infos. And today by the speed increases, uh, I think it's not really viable to do everything through the CPU and it's also not viable uh, to get microbursts in a sampled uh, data point. So we, we're moving forward or we moved forward uh, with the same chipset, which also does the multi-site and so on, in the Nexus uh, 9000, what we call the cloud scale ASIC, um, we have that capability of hardware telemetry. So exporting hardware statistics and hardware flow information at line rate without going through the CPU. And with this, uh, you can capture things like microflows, um, sorry, micro microbursts. You can capture things as... Um, the state changes in a switch without you actually pulling the switch from from a software. You actually pull the hardware piece, or you get you don't even pull. Actually, you you get that uh, drinking from a water hose kind of uh, approach into your telemetry receiver system. And today, actually, last week we shipped the first release of what we call Network Insights. Network Insights is our telemetry and um, assurance kind of construct we build on top of ACI and on top of DCNM, so you get the same app for both infrastructure at the same time shipped, just with a different controller system underneath. Same hardware as well there. So it's very exciting. Yeah, a lot very, of solution. Very cool out. when you talk about intelligence, that's the type of things you can draw from the network. And especially with the uh, AppDynamics acquisition, you start to predictively shift workloads depending, and that's another source of information you could pull from. Uplayering it, collecting the data, um, detect anomalies, and uh, understand what is actually happening from a hotspot and, and flow pattern perspective, and then do the respective reaction. We always talk about um, big buffers and how do we avoid networks having drops. Uh, I think if we can do more proactively position our applications appropriately and have a more intelligent network forwarding system based on the information we get, 
then we might not need a buffer, right? Very cool. Well, I think that's a good segue out of here so we could get a buffer to go to lunch. I was going to say, how does Buffer for lunch. All right. We well, got 10 minutes before lunch closes. So. Oh my. Okay. okay. I'll wrap this up. Then you can run. All right. So thank you, Jeff, Micheline, Robert, and Lucas. You guys have been fabulous. And for those who are listening at home, please know you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud these days. Is it still iTunes? I, did you see the WDDC? Yes. So it is. It is. Yes, there's, is, there's, they're, they're just kind of splitting right? them up a little bit. It's, they're not actually doing away with it. I see. I see. That's, I that's see. my, that's based on the internet rumors I've read. Google <laughs> Cisco Champions podcast. It's out there. Yes, yeah, correct. There yes. we go. I always say if you can't use the power of, you know, search. Let me online, Google that for you yeah, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'll get you one of those stickers. Well, thank you guys and talk to y'all soon. All right. Thank you.